0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the first episode of A Friend Zone Podcast with your host, Ryan Friend. I have my first guest ever on the first episode. He's actually one of my position assistant students. Uh, he was with me for a couple of weeks on rotation. He is someone who graduated from Lehigh University, went to DeSales as a postgraduate student for their master's program, and I thought it would be awesome to start this first episode out with some tips and tricks on what to look for to getting into physician assistant schools, where to apply, where to look for the information, and kind of like, you know, the rodeo of it. Like, what do you do, what What do you think could be from our perspective, like better or worse, or what was hard? And we just want to try to give you some information to make the process for you completely easier. So without further ado, I want to introduce my friend, my student, Cole Mayer. Yay! Yeah.
1: What's up, Cole? Hey, guys. How you doing, man? Doing good today. Doing good. Yeah. What rotation you on? Uh, internal medicine right now. Rotation seven. Rotation seven. Yeah, halfway through. It's out so, of nine, right? Out of nine. That's so halfway already. Towards the back, the back end. Wow. Yeah, finishing like twelve weeks or something like that. So. How's it going? It's going good. Really like it so far. It's going. It's going well. Not as good as cardiology, but you know. That's right, baby. No, nothing's as, good, it, nothing's as cardiology. good as cardiology. That's for sure.
0: That's it. What's uh? What what schedule they have you on?
1: Just a normal like student, five days a week, eight hours a day kind of thing. But uh, all the actual PAs and docs do the seven on seven off for ten hours. But they wouldn't let me swing that. So <laughs> of course not. Of course not. They're like, no, you get your
0: ass in there and you yeah. work forty hours a week, man. No time off. Yep. So I th- I guess my first question to you or how to start this thing off was like, how did you even? get to where you are at this moment. I think for people, they struggle coming out of high school with a lot of pressure. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? I'm 18 years old. I should have it all figured out, but I don't. And that's okay. But what kind of pointed you to being a physician assistant?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, there's the people in life who grow up wanting to be doctors and PAs and all that stuff. And then there's everyone else who makes it a second career or just, you know, figures it out later so at the sales there's a lot of uh, five-year students who come in right from high school who somehow knew what they wanted to do right out of high school which must be nice but uh for the rest of us i you know personally went to a like pre-engineering stem school in high school and then in that process realized i wasn't smart enough and did not did not like engineering (laughs) the math was a little too much for me so uh, i just kind of followed my interests which were pretty much science um, and biology and I just became a bio major um, and I ended up going to Lehigh for multiple reasons um, and then Kind of early on I thought um, As I explored some of the main options you have as a bio major, you know medicine was always one That I never really considered but I had a few pre-med friends who kind of turned me on to it and you know talked to me about it so Early on, I went kind of the pre-med track, which I think for most people is just kind of the old bio major. And then luckily, uh, and thankfully, I wouldn't have probably known otherwise, my good friend, sophomore year, uh, we were talking about you know options after school. And she just mentioned that she was looking into PA school. Um, and I had never heard of a physician assistant before. So I pretty much just did a lot of research looking at you know, what the job entails, what the education requirements are, what the salary is, you know, how fast is the field expanding, all those kind of things. And, um, you know, it it seemed like a really good mix uh, for me, because I think it really balances uh, work-life balance um, and kind of time in school and education with um, a career where you can help others, which was very important to me, um, while also making a a a good living and making a return on your investment, um, so I thought it was overall a really good mix of a lot of things, so I ended up kind of looking into that early on, um, and then from there it was just making sure that I looked up, you know, what classes were required for most programs, what um what kind of testing was required, so for PA school usually the GRE, um, and just making sure I was a competitive applicant, I had all my Healthcare hours in which is something that's unique to pa pa programs um and then just making sure i got my prereqs in on time to uh apply normal cycle so i guess in hindsight i i think just having friends who are pre-med uh got me into the field and then uh throughout the way through shadowing and other exposures i think i was just confirmed more and more that i was uh Primarily interested in healthcare, and I wanted to pursue it as a as a real career after college.
0: So basically, what you're saying is you were a huge nerd. Yeah. You realized that calculus is not going to get you where you want to be in life. Yes. And it was through a friend who kind of piqued your interest on what to do. So like you piggybacked off of her. Yep. But so how? So you're telling me then the things that are most important to you once you heard about it was you went into bio major like I don't know what I'm gonna do. And then like very luckily, quickly, young in school realized, okay, I could do this. And a couple of things that were important to you from the beginning were how long do I have to be in school? What am I going to make when I get out of school? What is my work life versus being at home like? And where can I go as far as my career goes? So were those like the four most important things to you? Am I missing something there?
1: Yeah, I think you pretty much summed summed up most of it, you know, helping others and, and, Having a good job with some flexibility, um, so yeah, pretty much what you summed up, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. think
0: that's like something that is good for anybody in the beginning. Is it probably takes some time, but just to sit down and be like, what do I want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And if you are thinking about like helping people and you want to give back to the community and you know, and actually have like a very flexible job hours, physician assistant might be for you. So basically, what we're saying is. To really help you kind of narrow down what you want to do is to be open in the beginning of school. Like it's okay to not have everything figured out. It's okay to start out pretty general, but be open to other ideas and listen to what people are doing and see see if it's for you. So looking into the pathways of what other people are doing, it's totally okay to say, "Hey, look, maybe I might like that. Why would I like that? Why wouldn't I like that?" So I think one of the first things to getting into PA school is deciding to be a PA. Um, but it's okay to not have that right out of the gate. So what he was saying earlier is there's a difference between how he did it and how I did it. So Cole went to Lehigh, he got his bachelor's, right? Mm-hmm. Bachelor yeah. of Science, Bachelor of Arts, cheaped in Biology, out. Bachelor yeah, of Arts in Biology, out. and then he went into a post program. So for physician assistant schools in our area in Pennsylvania, there are a couple ways to do it. There is a five-year program where you get out of high school. You jump right into college. You're already on track and guaranteed a seat in the postgraduate program. You just have to hit minimum GPA requirements. And at my university, DeSales University, you had to have a 3.0 overall in your sciences and a 3.0 overall in your, um, what are those things called? Prerex? pre No, not prereqs. The other What are the other classes called that you don't really remember when you get out of school? Uh, I don't know. Did you like theology and shit? Yeah, just like. What is that called? Fucking, I don't know, your other classes. So you need like <laughs> a 3.0 in like your humanities or whatever it is yeah. um, overall. And you had to keep that up every semester. But the courses were laid out for you. So it was nice because you just had to hit a certain GPA requirement and you got to go on. So you're guaranteed a spot. But for him, it wasn't so much guaranteed. So when he decided what he wanted to do, he had to think to himself like, okay, what are my overall choices of school? So I've narrowed down what's important to me in a career what do I, what does the schools that I look at, what do they require for me to get in? And that's one of the things if you can find out early what you wanna do is just something to keep in mind, write down, print out, and you can find a lot of this information on the actual school's website. So how did you do that? Like what was your process of like, okay, I value these couple of things, I wanna go to PA school, now I gotta find like what school I wanna go to. Like how did you narrow that down or where did you start?
1: Yeah, so early on, um, once I decided I wanted to be a PA, um, I generally looked at, I kind of looked at a few different, um, a good amount of schools, and I just kind of wrote out all their um, program requirements. So right off the bat, uh, a lot of people can just eliminate certain schools off of certain prereqs. Like what like so, what for you were you like, nope, not yeah, for Yeah, so say for most people who are bio majors, um, oftentimes you don't have to take a biochemistry class. Um, or if you're like a public health major, exercise, phys major, those kind of things. So only maybe like 20, 30% of the schools when I was applying required biochem. So right off the bat, um, I just eliminated those schools off my list because there's still, you know, another 140 schools in the list that don't require biochem. So if your school doesn't offer certain classes or they're just not, um, conducive to your major, just consider kind of eliminating those, uh, schools that require that off your list. And then, um, another so that's kind of how I decided uh, you know if I would what classes I need to take to um, fulfill those requirements and then a bunch of things I was looking at for what schools would be good uh, a was like geography so I kind of had an idea of where I wanted to be in the US which actually originally was not in this area um, I did undergrad here and I was hoping to branch out and explore other areas like the southeast or the west coast um, so I mainly actually applied to schools in those areas that I met the requirements for GPA requirements for um, another big thing is healthcare experience required. So I, um, being a, a grad student or, a, like a, a grad applicant who decided late, um, did not have a lot of experience prior to my, um, decision around late sophomore year to go into a uh, PA school. So I kind of had to rush to get a lot of my hours in. And it's pretty hard. I think for most people to get, Kind of part-time jobs or even like jobs over the summer. Most places don't want to hire you just for a short amount of time. So, um, so based on those requirements, that also eliminated some schools where they wanted like a thousand hours or two thousand wow, hours. Thousand hours, which a thousand hours is a well, two thousand hours is a full a year full time of work. Who, just for who, reference, who who wanted so that by the way? Two thousand, I think, was Stanford, and there was at least like. Ten schools, and then a bunch of schools wanted a thousand. Um, the main one I can think of was like Duke, uh, which I I liked the campus for. It's you know it's a great program, but um, I didn't have the hours and time, so it just wasn't even an option for me. Right. So, so. if you're
0: somebody who's like an EMT, in high school, and and you can prove that you've had that many hours, that's in the bag. So a thousand mm-hmm. hours for you is done. So you know that's something to take in consideration. Again, is when you're trying to find out what schools you want to go to, what general prereqs that you want. Like Cole's saying, you don't want to take biochemistry. That's actually really powerful, to be like, no, I'm just not going to take it. I don't want to take it. It's not something that's interesting to me. I don't want to waste money on it, because I'm spending a shit ton of money here at Lehigh, and it's just, when I think about like the long term, like it's not important to me in PA school or in life, so those programs, eliminated. That probably saved a ton of time.
1: Yeah, it, it's you got to narrow down the school somehow, so right. just getting the list shaved down with you know schools in the right area and then once you realize like which schools you meet the requirements for that narrows down the list a good amount and then finally I looked at things like um, pants pass rates so just a quick aside the pants is the uh, PA certifying exam that you have to take to get certified nationally so every school reports like their previous year uh, pass rates and their five-year average so not that there's a specific cutoff you're you know you're looking for but the higher the better um, you know that kind of gives you a better idea of how well they prepare you to be a PA and to pass the test which is the ultimate goal so I kind of narrowed down certain schools based on that and then I also gave preference to schools that have been around longer just because uh, they're more successful yeah just more like successful, higher pass rates yeah. they usually have more established clinical rotations which can always be a big thing if it's a newer program they might not have ironed out all the wrinkles yet. Um, They might have a weak um, network of clinicals, and then if only one or two get canceled for whatever reason, they might not have enough rotations in psychiatry or OBGYN or something specific like that to to pass everyone in the right amount of time. So I think uh, looking for a good established program with good pass rates that you're eligible for and it's where you want to be, and then finally I think um, length of the program is really important and tuition obviously because at the end of the day you're looking to get return on your investment you don't want to be in student debt your whole life so um the sooner the program ends the faster <laughs> you can repay your loans and the less tuition you're paying and at least in my experience so far um i don't think length of program's is probably a significant factor in terms of i don't think a, a shorter program is probably that much harder than a longer program and i think i'd rather just get get working sooner than later. So I think looking for a shorter program, a lot of them are about 24 to 27 months compared to some of the longer ones that are 30 to 36 months, I think would be, you know, preferable to most people i think it makes a lot of sense so exactly like you said we we'll get back to that yeah. so i actually did some research on
0: this so you're mm-hmm. right the average length of program is 27 month yeah and pen in, in uh excuse me not pennsylvania in the united states mm-hmm. and there's something like 290 current pa
1: schools here yeah which is insane there was like 210 when i applied and that was only like two, two years, years ago, ago or something like that and that was yeah and, a half, and so. then canada actually has four so oh, wow. They, I yeah. Okay, I didn't even know that. They want to copy America. I Very think, cool. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously.
0: But they, but with the, the length of the program, like you're saying, that's definitely just something else to narrow down to yourself. So in the beginning, you decide kind of, hey, this is a career that I might want to go to. Pick like five schools and see what their prerequisites are. You can go on actually the PAEA. It's a website that will tell you what programs are actually accredited. That's also important too. Yeah, because because mm-hmm. you could yes. just go to a school, apply to a school, and they're not even accredited by the people who say that your your uh, degree is legit. So you went through all that school, and you're like, oh man, now I can't even take the pants. Yeah. So you know that will tell you exactly who's legit and who's not. You can look at their prerequisites, look at the areas, and like Cole's saying, cost does matter. So I actually looked this up too for in-state PA programs. The cheapest one that I found was under a hundred dollars. What state you think that was in? Texas. No. Try $100? again. Less than a hundred dollars.
1: Oh, I have no idea. It was, oh, is it, is it for the army? No, maybe, it was actually uh,
0: in California. Really? And like, if it was, I think it was fifty-seven dollars. I forget the school now, but it was in Cali. So that if you're an in-state resident, it's very cheap. Quite a deal. But I was reading that the the cost can go between thirty k for those 24 months mm-hmm. and up to a 120 K for in state. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. So like he's saying, the cost really does matter because yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't have a whole buttload of money to yeah. like dump <laughs> into PA school. I just took out loans, man. But, um, that's something that you can look at on their website. We'll give you that financial information. And if that doesn't matter to you, then throw it out. But I really like what Cole said in the beginning and I keep coming back to it, like identifying what's important to him, like what's important to him in a job, what's important to him in a school. So I agree. I think the pass rate's important on the pants because it tells you that that school is preparing you to pass the one test that you have to pass to become a physician assistant. Mm. And if their pass rates are low, it doesn't mean that you won't pass yourself, but you're definitely taking a chance. Yeah. And the other thing is too, one of my friends just got into Westchester University and they just got accredited and it's their first year. Right. But you're rolling the dice a little bit as far as we don't know their pass rates you know we don't know the rotation setup so it's probably going to be a little bit bumpy but the end of the day like you can look up review books and it kind of comes you know they need to pass people so they can't get accredited and then not pass you so right yeah but i think looking at all those things is really important yeah but you can find a lot of that on these physician assistant program websites yeah so
1: there's a few good ones too i think there's like the pa life has some information on stuff like that and tips um yeah paea is really good um i think you can probably just google there's a few i think there's like a pa directory you could look up um but there's a few websites that list a bunch of the programs but definitely make sure they're accredited yeah definitely uh, that's 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 probably the most important (laughs) important stuff so that
0: would suck so bad yeah no it's funny though because he's like oh you know i i piggybacked this off a friend in college. Kind of the idea to go, and it was just for me, and I got lucky in that way. That is not how I I got into PA school, man. I actually was like, yo, I want to impress people with my job. So I was 17, and somebody was like, I should be a PA. I'm like, what the fuck is a PA? I was like, do they make money? Someone's like, yep. I was like, all right, (laughs) so I'm going to go do it. Check one. Yeah, and I didn't really understand, like when I was in school, how important of a job it was. Because I didn't shadow... In high school or early college. Right. Like I got my hours because I was a nurse aide. Mm. So I was wiping ass, cleaning up puke, <laughs> like helping old people stand. And I made actually a pretty good amount of money. And it was cool because I got to work on the weekends. So they were cool with me doing per diem. Like in the summer, I just made a ton of money, did a lot of overtime, mm. got a lot of hours. And then when school was going on once a month, I would work Saturday, Sunday. And yeah. it was still like thirteen fifty an hour. So it was still a bummer because it was one Saturday and Sunday. I wasn't studying like an undergrad. But at the end of the day, if you manage your time right, I think it was fine. But then I got a huge wake-up call when I actually got into the graduate program and was like, oh my God, this is so serious. So I think something that I regret and that I wish I did was even in early college or high school, just going out there and reaching out to a hospital system that's near you or a medical office and being like, could I shadow somebody? In your office, then you could use that as hours. You could see if you like what they do or not. You could see what you like about their bedside manner or not. It gives you a ton of stuff, but I wish I would have known. Because,
1: yeah, I think I'd really recommend uh, trying to get. S- I think healthcare experiences is, is important, and I think shadowing a PA is also important. Um, I mean, just general healthcare experience. Shadowing a doctor can be helpful too. Yeah. Because in large part, the jobs are very similar, if not the same, in a lot of scenarios. But it's also good to get specific experience shadowing a PA just to sometimes see their unique role yep. in a practice or a health system. Um, and then I think just general exposure through probably any type of healthcare experience, like Ryan said he was a nurse aide. Um, I, was, I did some EMT work, which you know for me personally, someone who's not very into emergency medicine, I didn't find particularly valuable. Um, and there's a lot of on-call time compared to actual patient care time which is you know good and bad for some people, but I actually scribed during my gap year uh, for part of it in the ER. And once again, not a big emergency medicine person, but I thought scribing was, I probably could not recommend it enough. I think you get great insight into the thought process of what doctors do, um, how they assess patients, what are important things to ask, um, and you just get a great third person view of most medical encounters which I got a lot more out of than when I just shadowed a PA regularly. So I could not recommend scribing enough personally as healthcare experience, but I know a lot of my friends were ER techs, nurses, aides, that kind of thing, which also gives different parts of the um, hospital and medical experience. I, I think so
0: too. Like being a part of a care team in the hospital is like invaluable. Like you're a scribe, that's a big deal because the docs are relying on you to like get the notes because they don't want to write the notes and in the future it helps you realize like to them in real life medicine what's important yeah like what do they want you to write down how do they want you to write it how do you want to organize it so you may not understand the medicine but at least once you see the repetition again and again and again it's something that kind of solidifies in your brain like oh dr a likes to do blank 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 he might never talk to me but i know from from it from what he's doing in medicine like what he likes to do yeah but i think also it's really powerful the things you're saying like uh, this wasn't for me. Yeah. There is nothing wrong with saying, like, I did this part of healthcare. That's not for me. It just guides you down the right path. But I think it just brings me back again. Like, once you identify the schools that you would like to go to, whether you're in high school or you're, you know, we're focusing more on the grad part. So you already have your degree and getting into the two year or, you know, 27 month program, whatever, after you graduate with your uh, bachelor's in something. If you just message them, email them and say, hey, what jobs are apl- applicable? I had a friend who was a freaking lifeguard at sesame street um, at sesame street and he added the time of his life and he got all the hours he did it for like two summers all he did was hang out and party all the time but it counted towards his hours that's amazing to that's news to me i did not know that yeah so it really can be a ton of stuff Mm. so but i agree like shadowing is difficult a little bit when you don't know anything about medicine yeah because Mm -hmm. you're like i'm not sure what i should be looking for yeah but at the same time it's nice to see like how unique that physician assistant or doctor or nurse practitioner, whoever you're shadowing, because it all counts towards your hours, um, what they do and what their role is. Because yeah. you could have a PA on one side of town doing something and you don't really like what they do, and then a PA on the other side of town doing something else and you love what they do. Yeah. So I just get a bunch of exposure as much as you can. And I think that really like helps you in your experience to kind of guide you into what you want to or what you do not want to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Like seeing different styles is helpful and different specialties. You wouldn't want to shadow someone, have a bad experience and think this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. So kind of the more exposure you get, the more different niches you can find and you know, the more options you're going to have in the future, I think, and be more open minded. So yeah, and
0: I think that'll help you too, because once you get into a school or let's say you get all your prereqs done. Um, you know you get the gpa requirement for your school and actually something i didn't mention was the average gpa requirement is 3.6 so that's a pretty big deal especially if you have to do your major let's say you do like philosophy or whatever and, and then you look at the prereqs for pa school hmm. that's a pretty decent like you have to know how to do school yeah. but sometimes that's the average so there's a, a above that or below that but if you get your ass in a seat in an interview And they're asking like, hey, so why do you want to be a PA? What led you down this road? And you say, well, I shadowed seven different physicians and physician assistants in different practices and I really liked it and I did a bunch of other things too that actually might get you in over someone else who just met the minimum GPA requirements and and medical hours without doing anything else.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, GPA requirements are important and that kind of gets you a seat in the door. But then once you get your interview, I think every all the other parts of your application are what are going to separate you from everyone else. That's something else I want to talk about. Like what
0: what do you think you did that separated you from everybody else? Because I know for the program we both went to, there's over 1200 applicants who apply. And from the undergrads, <clears throat> from the undergrads coming in, there's only about 20-30 seats because a lot of the the grads actually make it to the next or the undergrads make it to the next step. So yeah. what do you
1: think you did? Hmm. I mean, it's a tough question. Uh, so no, one ever, no one ever actually told me what uh, why they picked me. But I think um, probably most importantly, um, you need to make sure you're a competitive applicant to get your foot in the door for the interview. So what do you mean by that? So I think you need to... You always want to be at least a little above the minimums usually they set. So like GPA, you know, a lot of programs will say like, 3. five or maybe even like a 3.2 or 3.0. Average is 3.6. Yeah, United average States. is 3.6. And I think average for my program was like a 3.82. Wow. The that, year I applied. That's what it's up to. Yeah. Man, so, standards too high for me. Very, very competitive these days. So you always want to be, you know, ideally, I think above uh, the average. And you always want to be in the competitive range. And I think same with healthcare hours. Like, you know, I think I think the program you applied to was 500. Uh, but I, you know, I probably had around 700 plus when I matriculated, which wasn't actually a lot. I think a lot of my classmates had more than me, but it just kind of meant the average, combined with my shadowing hours and things like that. And I could I could at least speak on the subject and sounded like I had been around the healthcare scene enough.
0: Um, but I think that's that, that's exactly what sets you out. Is like they'll say, oh, man, we saw you be an EMT and then you moved on to a scribe. Like, why did you do that? Yeah. And I think being able to get into both saying like, oh, I didn't like this about EMT, but I love this about being a scribe and I could see myself going this place. Yeah. They want you to have experience. Yeah. Like when you sit down for any job interview, mm-hmm. like uh, it's really tough because when you graduate, people are like, oh, I don't have any experience. But to me, in the healthcare setting, it's kind of bullshit. And and I mean that in the sense of you just don't want it bad enough. Like it sucks, but sometimes you just have to observe. So if you didn't get paid for a scribe and you really wanted to be a PA, you couldn't find a job you got paid for, it's unfair, but just doing the observation hours that you can do uh, is really gonna set you out of there. And like we said, going around to different providers and different doctors or different nurse practitioners, different PAs and logging all those hours and different specialties, that's gonna make you different. But if you just did 100 hours in Durham and your GPA isn't up there, they're not even going to look at you. Yeah. So just getting a bunch of different hours, making sure you're really busting it for these classes that you may not use in the future. Mm-hmm. But it kind of is what it is, just a stepping stool to get to that next level.
1: Yeah. I think um, from the you can think about it from the, the program's perspective. They want to accept students who are going to pass the program. So they have to make sure you're academically capable. So they're going to look at your GPA, the classes you took, um, things like that, and your and even your like GRE test scores to make sure that you know you're a solid student because it is a very rigorous two three years depending on where you go. Um, so they need to make sure you're going to pass, and then they want to make sure that you have you know combination of the right motivation. They want to make sure you know what you're getting into, and I think a lot of that comes from you know being motivated, telling them kind of why you want to do it. So having a good reason, whether it's you know to help others which is cliche but if you have you know if you're specific with what you want to do how you want to help others that carries a lot of weight and then as we said like the healthcare experience if you can kind of talk to what being a PA is like through observing through shadowing or just working your job they want to know that you know what you're getting into you have an idea of what it entails they don't want to hire someone who read about PA in a magazine who doesn't know any of the history and just thinks, wow, this was rated high. This
0: seems like a cool job. Now, that's a good point that you brought up there, the history. And I've gotten to some discussions with people about that. And I actually talked to some professors in a couple different programs about what's important to them in, in the applicant. And one of them, or two of them, actually said they want them to know the history of the program. Mm-hmm. So, like, when did it get started again all on their website if yeah. you did a simple reading on it? Like, why did the program start? When did it start? Mm-hmm. And then they also want you to know the history of a PA. Yeah. I was actually in an interview with a student who on paper looked awesome and they didn't know anything about the history of a physician assistant, like where it started, the ties to the military, all those things, and they just denied them. Yeah. And it was really embarrassing for the student. And to some people, it's not important. Some people say it's not fair, but it just shows that you're interested in the profession as a whole.
1: Yeah, it shows you're committed. Um, whether it's right or wrong, a lot of programs don't like people who are on the fence between Med school and PA school. So they want to know that you're actually committed and that you're really genuinely interested in being a PA. So, you know, knowing the history of the profession shows that, you know, you actually care, you're interested, and you kind of have an idea of why PAs exist and kind of where the future is going, you know, very briefly. Yeah, and where and, they
0: started. And, and, and it's good to know, like, where everything started from and, and where it's been. Yeah. You know, like you said, there was 210 when you applied. Like, now we're up to 290 accredited
1: programs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good to know information like that. Yeah. And um, I think another thing we kind of talked about was, um, like, what makes you a good applicant. I think knowing you always want to do your research on the program itself, um, particularly, like, the program I chose, Uh, One of the main things that I thought was really cool was that they have um, a student run clinic that's for free that helps out the the homeless community in one of the local um, towns slash cities. So, you know, getting all that early healthcare experience, helping others in a, you know, volunteer fashion, to me seemed like a great opportunity. And actually, you know, has been one of my favorite parts of the program. Just kind of, you know, getting your hands dirty, helping others. And, the you know, the men you take care of are so appreciative. It's it's such a great experience. So that was a huge factor for me. Um, also that the the local health care networks are both fantastic that our school partners with. Um, and I actually had experience uh, through an internship through uh, um, one of the local program, uh, uh, health networks, St. Luke's. Um, I worked in their public health um office for an internship and I also had other experiences with them which kinda helped because we had mutual connections. I knew some of the people that, that they partnered with and talked with. So um But again it's just getting yourself
0: in the community like yeah. so you were a scribe, you did the shadowing hours there, like you know, like you, you got a part of it. And I think that's what makes it interesting. Like, oh I see you did this at this institution in the local area. Like how'd you get into that? And then the people who are interviewing you will be like, oh, do you know so-and-so? And you're like, yeah, and they can reach out to that person and be like, hey, I interviewed Blah today. What do you think of this person? Did he make a good impression? Like, what do you think of him? Where, where do you see him going or her going? But it's just diversifying yourself in healthcare. And you can tell from from just you that you've done that a lot. And I think that's really what probably jumped off the page to everybody who was looking at your application was, you know, he's an intelligent guy. Obviously, he's passing the classes he needs to pass. He is really doing a couple different things to find out what he really likes to do in healthcare. And he's kind of going above and beyond, but it's not because he's stressed doing it. It's because he's just taking a general interest in the field. So that's probably a big deal to a lot of people going in there. So, you know, looking at the programs you want to, making sure you have the prereqs, getting your hours mm-hmm. and a bunch of different ways, I think, yeah. and going above and beyond in the minimum requirements. Mm-hmm. And, just having a genuine in- interest in healthcare and the career as a whole are going to really set you apart from a lot of people. Yeah, You bring up a good point also about the med school thing. Mm-hmm. That's another big thing. I was also talking to a couple of, of professors who take students and they were upset when the students kind of washed out of the med school application and they thought PA was like the lesser yeah. of the degrees, mm-hmm. um, which some people like they argue that. But a little known fact is that the PA programs are modeled on the same health, care learning style as med schools it's yeah all geared towards primary care it's specialized as far as the medicine you learned per organ system mm-hmm. the what'd you take in the first year was 180 tests something like I that? i don't know the number it's but, over it's a ridiculous amount of yeah. tests so it's not no one who went through pa school except maybe a very rare few will tell you it's a cakewalk so oh, yeah. it's kind of a slap in the face to a program when they say, oh, you applied to six medical schools, you didn't get in. You know, your MCAT scores were kind of average. Why would you want to be a PA? Because they know it's because you didn't get into a med school. So if you want to apply to a couple different ones, you're like, look, I'm not sure the career I want to go in, and I wanted to see what's out there, that's different. But if you yep. only apply to one PA school and six med schools, it's you're setting yourself back, man. Yeah,
1: you have to show you're committed, um, and you have to show like you're generally interested. So you have to find, find something extra that... that that shows that commitment you can't just do it as a backup option they'll, they'll see right through that. oh they'll see right through it
0: i think yeah. another thing too that's really helpful to jumping off the page is when you have to interact in the healthcare team it's very good to have experience obviously but you also just have to know how to talk to people mm-hmm. like they preach the teamwork thing and it really is a teamwork thing but but one of the biggest parts of teamwork is communication and there's a couple people out there who are really timid and I wish they included this in my undergrad program. Mm-hmm. I'm just lucky because I'm good at it naturally. But public speaking, yeah, just getting up there and being able to talk to a patient, talk to someone in the healthcare team, I think that really sets people apart because they could ask you like, oh, why did you take that? And you could be honest and be like, oh, well, you know what? I'm not the best at talking to people. And I wanted to strengthen that. And I took this public speaking class. And I think that they see that you're reflecting on your strengths and weaknesses as a page jumper. Um but also asking questions as well. Like if they ask you any questions and you can't even start a conversation with them, you're gonna be un- you're gonna be forgettable pretty quickly. Yeah. So doing your research and asking questions and 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 being interested, genuinely interested in who's sitting in front of you. Once you get your your um, interview, it's a big deal. Yeah, you always minimum have to
1: ask at least like one, one at or least. two questions. At least one or two. Um, it's you can't ask none. That just shows that you're not interested or you don't really care enough. Uh, to ask any more questions. What so, did you ask? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember specifically. I probably, I'm not positive what I asked. I probably asked about like their early experiences. Like uh, our program does Friday mornings where we can go out in the community and shadow different PAs and different specialties. So I think I asked about their clinic and I think I, like their free clinic they run. And I think I asked about like early experiences. I'm pretty sure. Even though I actually knew some of the information, uh, I still asked, and they actually did elaborate more, which was, you know, helpful for for that too. But even if you kind of know part of the answers, you still have to ask a minimum of at least one or two questions just to show interest. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. Yeah, I think like if
0: you sit down and you even know like one, I think is really easy to ask exactly like if you find some special thing about the program you're looking at. Yeah, is just to even be like, so what are your pass rates for? You know, the pants, yeah. even though you should already come loaded with that question, mm-hmm. they could be like, oh, it's 99% 9%. You're like, oh, wow, I really love blank, blank and blank about the school. And that just adds another element to it. You know, it's important to me that, you know, in a program and it just gets them excited and that like it was a consideration for you, but it wasn't, you know, that's just something you could do. You could always ask the interviewee, like where they went to med school, how they ended up here at the sales, why they chose the sales as a job, mm-hmm. where they worked you know, what do they do outside of being a teacher for the program? How long they've been there? Mm-hmm. Where do they see the program going? You know, you can come all those loaded into your pocket. And I think it, it really does separate you out because they want to have good conversation with people and see that you're not scared to have that just genuine professional conversation.
1: Yeah. And it, and if it doesn't come up naturally, you know, you can always kind of use the things you like about the program and then kind of ask it in a, you know, in a question. So, if you really like their free clinic ask about it be like oh i saw this you guys have this free clinic it seems like a great thing like just tell me more about it or like oh i you know i heard i see you guys have really strong pass rates like what do you think makes your pass rate so good what do you think separates your program from other programs you can always use uh you know things you want to you want to show that you obviously brush up on the program and you can even like turn it into a question a lot of times absolutely
0: so. and one of the the questions i recommend asking even though you probably already know is what is the average class size because you kind of want to know what you're up against as far as how you're going to be learning med school is completely different i mean excuse me pa school is completely different than kind of like the pre-med model when you're in pa school you are in it together there is no only 50 percent of you pass because they only have enough spots to pass people they want you to work together so you're you're in it together but just knowing how many kids are in your class can actually be important or not important to you The average class size in the United States is 40 kids a class, which Mm. I think is really reasonable. The program Cole and I went to, when I was there, they just upped it to 60 kids, and now when Cole's there, it's 80. And it's only a couple of professors for student, so some people like that model, some people don't, but I think it's an important question to ask. Another one I thought of, and I looked this up actually, was how many people, not actually pass the pants, but what is your graduation rate Per yeah. class, mm-hmm. and the average is eighty percent, which I think is pretty good, man. Like, if you have a, a eighty kids, you know what I mean. About ten drop out. It's only eighty. That's eighty percent. That 80%. seems that
1: seemed lower to me. Isn't it? But Isn't? it I think you want to compare the like attrition rate and how many kids fail the program to their pass rate for the pants. So, if they pass a hundred percent of their kids, but only eighty percent pass the pants, you know that they're probably, their program might not be, you know, strenuous enough or rigorous enough. But if they're failing, you know, 50% of the class, 50% of the class, but their pass rate for the pants is 100%, you know that, you know, maybe that school is a little too cut through and maybe they're not really quite doing what's in the best interest of the students. Maybe they're trying to keep their pass rate really high or something like that. So I think just trying to find a program that has a very reasonable, small attrition rate and then a high pant, like pants pass rate combined Is kind of the right the right approach.
0: I think so too, but it's just another question you could ask them. Even if you already know it, just to get the conversation going. And yeah, you could follow up on even and be like, "Oh, well, what do you see in the people who don't make it, like in the program? Like, what is it that you think about about these students that it didn't just work out?" Like was it just not the right time? Were they having kids? Were they not as committed? Mm-hmm. You know, there's tons of reasons, but it would actually just start a conversation and kind of get you thinking: Is this the right fit for you? Yeah. You know, I've seen people pass the program having two kids in the class. Like, actually, I mean, excuse me, having two kids while in class, like newborns. I've seen people not pass the program for made-up things. You know, it it really is how bad you want it. And you know, to speak to the 60 and 80 class sizes, like even though those class sizes were really big, I still went to my professors' offices all the time. Mm -hmm. I always went to ask questions, go over cases, talk about things, talk about the future, talk about what I'm struggling with, talk about what I'm doing good with. And I think like once you're in and making a good relationship with your professors is a big deal. So if the class size kind of scares you, I wouldn't let it scare you too much because. You know, as long as they're having a good pants pass rate and they're having a good program pass rate or an even amount there, a ratio that you like, you can find ways around having a bigger classroom like that.
1: Yeah. All
0: right, man. We've been rambling on for a while. I think we gave everybody a ton of information. Mm -hmm. The one thing I think that really scares people about PA schools that we did not get to talk about is the prerequisites as far as the standardized tests go. Yep. Again, we recommend going to the programs that you are looking at Mm -hmm. and finding out what they require. Just like Cole said, I didn't want to go to a program that required biochemistry. He wiped his hands of it. There are programs who do not require you to have an MCAT or GRE, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely something that you want to look into.
1: Now, you took the GRE. Did our program require it? Yeah, our program did, and I think I would kind of take that to be blunt. I think if you think you are smarter than your GPA reflects, I think you should take the GRE because that'll if you score high it shows you're objectively smart maybe you went to a hard school and that's why your GPA is not competitive or maybe you had a really hard major if you went to maybe not the best school or you had a really easy major and you're not sure you're gonna crush your standardized test scores if they're not mandatory you might want to consider if you should take it or not so I think that might be an individualized decision Um, but I think nowadays I think more and more programs are requiring it and I think uh, probably you. You probably rather take it than not take it, just because, um, you know, usually all that extra information helps programs make decisions on who to invite to interviews and who not to. So, so I looked this up before you got here, and actually oh, there yeah. are a bunch
0: of programs who require you to take the GRE mm-hmm. with no minimum score. Yeah. So they want you just to take it, and then I bet you what they do is they just pool everyone's score together, just like you said, mm-hmm. like oh, you know, X student went to this stanford yeah and it was a really hard school they had a yeah. difficult like engineering bioengineering yeah. major their gpa was 3.3 but they have a ton of medical hours great recommendation letters and they killed their
1: gre yeah they're looking at that i all think a big they, they use it to validate your gpa you know because sometimes if, if they never heard of a school it might be a really small state school they might not really know hey what is a 3.9 from so-and-so school mean so they use the gre to kind of compare that you know to be a benchmark as well so what did you do to
0: get ready for the GRE then
1: yeah so for me I would you know I think I would recommend to everyone it's very simple um kind of like the SATs because really the format of the GREs is almost identical really um it's very similar uh the writing section which I guess most kids nowadays I don't even have to do it anymore. Right? Yeah. For the few years I was doing the SATs, there was a writing section. Nowadays, I don't think they even do that anymore. I had to do that writing Lough, section. Luckily I'm old. for you guys. But so the GRE is like a math section. I think it's still a some type of reading comprehension English section, which is mostly I think vocab, and then they have a writing section, which is mainly more about using logic and reasoning than actual writing. But you still have to you know brush up on your writing, how to format things. But um. The testing company is ETS, and they actually make their own GRE prep book. So I'd recommend just buying their book. They have um, you can find like a package on Amazon. Usually it'll have like three books. It'll be like a comprehensive one, and there'll be like an extra one for like math and extra one for like the English part. And um, if you just kind of go through that book and just kind of go through it, I think once over pretty seriously. It probably took me. 3 to 4 weeks of maybe like 10-15 hours a week of preparing and I felt very very prepared for the GRE. I I would actually to be honest I would say it took less preparation than SATs. That's did. awesome. Um so I think it's not something to really worry about too much. Um I think if you, you know, like most kids have studied hard in, in college and you know, took their education seriously, uh I think if you do the minimum prep and do the books for, it, I think you'll be well prepared. And I don't. I'm not really sure anything else on top of that's gonna get you much higher of a score. So did you take classes or just the book? Just the book. I didn't take classes for the SAT either in high school, although I probably should have. Um, that was. I probably should have, but I didn't. So, but I, I. probably wouldn't recommend classes for GRE unless you maybe take it and you don't like your score. Maybe consider that. But I think if you just do the book and see where your score and where you lie compared to your peers, because they do give you a percentile score, so you know. You kind of know where you. Uh, fall among people who are applying to grad schools, and then you can even look up some schools' PA programs will post their average GREs of their matriculants, so you can kind of see where you lie. Again, looking at the program's website and
0: doing that research on your own is important. And do you think, like, was a GRE expensive? Because the SATs, I remember being in high Oof. school, having no money.
1: <laughs> <Nine>. Gr- <laughs> GREs must have been at least, like, upper 100 dot, like, probably like 170 right. 180 so... You know, you got to pay to play, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's how it is with these applications mm-hmm. and the um, CASPA and all that kind of stuff. So,
0: this is a perfect transition because yeah. the last segment I want to talk about is once you have all of your information. So, you've thought about what you want to do in your life, you have looked at a couple different programs on the PAEA, mm-hmm. going on their websites, looking at all their prerequisite requirements, their GPA. Um, what they want as far as healthcare hours, what they want as far as GRE or MCAT or any other pre-admission testing that you need. Once you have all that information, you can go on CAPSA. I forget exactly what it stands for, but it's how you apply to these schools. And you can make a profile, I actually made one today just so I have one, so I can look at it. It's very easy to make. And you can actually look through a whole bunch of schools, what they require, and once you have all of your information as far as your transcript go, your score go, your letters or recommendation go, you put it all on this website, and then that's how you can easily apply to schools from there. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, when you apply to your first school, I think it's like $155 to $175, and then it's $55 for every every application after that. So it's going to cost you some more money to do. A lot of people only apply to a couple of schools, um, but like like Cole said, you gotta pay to play, man. It's just an easy website to get on. So you can just even before you even apply to any schools, you can just go on CAPSA, make your own login information, just navigate the website, see what it's like and just grab some information from there. It's really self explanatory.
1: Yeah. And if you're looking early enough, you know, make an account and look around just so when you're finally making your account, you know, right when all the applications are opening, you know, you know the format. You're not overwhelmed. Uh, there's no surprises. So uh, it's a good idea to make an account during the, the cycle before you're going to apply just to kind of get a brief idea of the the, the layout and what, what are the requirements and things like that.
0: So what he means about that cycle thing is there are cycles of application just like for colleges. Yeah. And the the schools that you're looking at, they'll say when they're accepting applications. So for a cycle for 2022, they might say okay so for 2022 school year we're accepting applications now Mm -hmm. so you want to apply as early as possible just like for the colleges you went to and it just shows that you got your shit together you're organized yeah you know you you got all your ducks in a row you're ready to go and it's also like you're you're the first one to get there yeah so
1: you got to look at the program uh everything's they're all different so a lot of them are Rolling admission. Yep. And so anything that's rolling admission, you want to apply as soon as possible. You want to be in the first batch of students they look at because most programs, as they interview kids throughout the years, they're going to have less and less spots towards the end as it gets later and later. So you always want to be early. You'll be, you know, the most competitive you'll be compared to the fewest amount of other students. And they'll probably be the most seats available when you actually do interviews. So, and you'll be way less stressed to have it all out of the yes, way. Yes, and you'll be less stressed. And you'll you'll know what you're doing earlier. So uh, I would always apply as soon as possible for rolling schools. If it's not rolling and they look at all their applications in one big block, um, it just depends. If you have some outstanding prereqs that you need to get done, I would kind of try to get your application as finalized as possible. Get all your prereqs and hours in before you apply as long as you make the deadline. So depending on the rolling admission versus not rolling would be when to apply. But for rolling, I'd apply as early as possible to try to get all your ducks in a row. And if it's not a, uh, not rolling admission, I would just try to make sure your application's as complete as possible with the fewest amount of pending or outstanding requirements before you apply.
0: Yeah. And I think once you actually figure out what you're doing so it's a, and you apply to the early admission, it's way easier on the entire process on yourself, like Cole's saying. And I'm saying. So the bottom line of everything is, once you finally realize what you kind of want to do and you think the PA profession is for you, I think it just takes a lot of pre work as far as identifying where you want to go, how much money you're willing to spend, what are things that are important to you in a program, what are things that aren't important to you in a program. You know, what is the tuition in state, out of state? Pass rates, pants rates, money costs for the, the pre-reqs and GREs, um, just identifying your weaknesses and your strengths to maybe help you jump off the page a little bit more. Um, and I think once you have all that prep work in, you go on CAPSA, you put your application in there, and that's kind of it, man. And You just sit back and wait. Yeah. But uh, I think that's all we have for today. And if you guys have any questions, uh, if you want to shoot me an email at afriendzonepodcast at gmail.com, I'm more than happy to answer any questions you may have. Also, if you have any ideas for some topics that you'd like us to cover or me to cover, that would be awesome as well. I just want to say thank you to Cole for coming out.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, man. Um, We've also been hanging with my dog, Jackson, so if you hear any snoring (laughs) on the podcast, that was him. All right, guys, good luck with your applications. You're going to do great. And I hope to hear from you in email. Take care.